0: This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime.
1: Hey, everyone. You know what it's time for? Swan's
0: We're in the week, Libby. Libby, Did I just call you Wibby? I think I did.
1: That's okay. Um, usually uh, autocorrect changes my name to Lobbies or Kibble. So Kibble. Alright. <laughs> so yeah, Kibble. I'm considering just changing my name to Kibble. That's
0: I mean that's a look, you have enough fake names as it is. I don't think you need to change your actual name.
1: <laughs> I'm so used to them now. I'm used to just like having a different name for different endeavors. It just becomes natural after a yeah. while.
0: Are you, are you Libby yeah. whatever in all of them?
1: No, no. Like, my, my best-selling pen name is Olivia Hawker. Oh, that's right. So, so yeah, surprise. That, that might surprise a couple of our listeners who did not realize that I'm Olivia Hawker. You've probably read a couple of my books if you're really into historical fiction. So, uh, surprise. I am a foul-mouthed idiot who does a podcast about Swans Cross.
0: <laughs> Man, it's a good thing that you are essentially self-employed. Because if I ever try and get another job and people are like... <laughs> Hey, what else has this guy done?
1: Pen names are good for that. Um, I've been thinking a lot about TV shows, such as Swan's Crossing, recently, though, because I, for some reason, have had so many inquiries from producers, like in the last couple of weeks, who want to like acquire my intellectual property and turn it into TV shows, or maybe turn it into TV shows. Because these things usually, like, it's a twenty percent chance that it's going to actually turn into a TV show, <laughs> so. I'm not, like, super thrilled about it, because I know it usually goes nowhere, but it's also interesting that, like, suddenly everybody wants to turn my books into TV shows.
0: Everybody wants a piece of you.
1: May they be better than Swans Crossing.
0: (laughs) It would be... Okay, first of all, if any of your works ever do get turned into a TV show, I am 100% doing a podcast about
1: it. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Secondly, I, I feel like... If I were if I were somebody who was pitching TV shows, I would just have my eye on like what are all the best sellers? You know what I mean? And then be like, okay, what what have we not had in a while? Ah Olivia Hawker, let's let's see about this. So
1: Yeah, yeah, that's undoubtedly how some of them have found me, was just kind of keeping an eye on the charts. My most recent book is doing really well, which is great. Yay,
0: congratulations!
1: Yeah, thank you. It has drawn some attention for sure, so that's good. But not as much attention as the greatest TV show on Earth, Swans Crossing, deserved to get and was robbed of.
0: I don't, I don't know why (laughs) you feel it necessary to hype this TV show.
1: I love it so much.
0: I know you do. And after 61 episodes, Libby, I'm still trying to figure out
1: why. I can't explain it. It just captured my heart. It's so weird. Anyway, this has got to grow up sometime. A Swans Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant and also Olivia Hawker.
0: I'm Nathan Kessler. You're finally out of the closet, Libby. Uh I'm Nathan Kessler Jeffrey and I'm I'm ready. We're in the last week here people, the last week of shows. This is the Monday episode.
1: Yeah, this this kicks you can feel that it's a Monday episode too because we get a lot of characters awkwardly recapping what happened on Friday.
0: You can you can feel it's a Monday episode cuz they use the long version of the theme song.
1: <laughs> Which is interesting cuz there was enough action in this one that they could have stretched it out without that. But I digress.
0: If they had just spent more time lingering on people staring into the space waiting for the scene to change, I feel like that could have covered most of the theme song.
1: Probably. Anyway, let's go over your predictions. You predicted JT and Neil would hunt for the birth certificate while Callie comes clean with Sydney about where the money went. If not, Sydney would try to get Garrett in trouble for theft. JT and Neil did apparently hunt for the birth certificate. And, um, nothing else has happened, so like one third of a point there,
0: yeah, none of the rest of that happened.
1: Garrett continues to be stuck with Mila mooning over the poems um that we did not get any poetry mooning this time, which was good because I'm sick of it
0: i oh gosh, it's horrible. Uh, I was delighted by Mila's storyline in this arc,
1: oh me too. <laughs> uh- And your next prediction was more of Sandy and Owen working on the music video and Sandy would discover that Mila is now involved in the video. That was correct in the most spectacular possible way.
0: It's so good.
1: (laughs) It is so good. You predicted that Jimmy would run from someone, but it would not be Beric. He would be in a desperate situation and Beric would rescue him. Sadly, that did not happen. Mm. And hopefully more conversations with Pegasus or at least a Pegasus cameo. Alas. No Pegasus.
0: I feel like this is uh, about average for my predictions for this show. I got maybe a third of them right.
1: <laughs> I would say that's about right. Do you want to go over that intriguing thumbnail?
0: On the thumbnail for TV. Sydney is in a white shirt in front of what I think is a closet, looking at Sandy, who is legit full back to the camera. Sydney does not look nearly as diabolical as we've come to expect, there's almost like a maternal look. So we open. Oh, normally I'm, I'm not very awake this morning, folks. We open on a long moving shot across the post-party detritus of JT's room.
1: I use the word detritus too. To
0: a rather smug looking JT swinging in his hammock and counting that fat stack of cash.
1: Also, dead silence. Absolute. You can hear a pin drop silent.
0: No music, no shuffling, no background actors talking.
1: Yeah, just absolute JT's mouth is moving. No words are coming out as he counts the money.
0: He leans down and wakes up Neil who's asleep on the floor. Apparently this is where Neil spends most of his nights. And they, they have to get a money order when the bank opens after spending all night working their hacking magic to discover that Sidney Rutledge is actually, and we cut away... To Sandy calling Sydney on the phone.
1: Yes, and Sydney says Sandy when <laughs> she so it's Sydney Rut- Rutledge is actually Sandy. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's how it happens. But like as we find out later, that is not at all what JT and Neil discovered on their birth certificate hunt. So I don't know. This was some really bad bad writing. But anyway, Sandy has just called Sydney and has woken her up. It's eight in the morning. Sydney's pissed off because she wants to sleep in later. Like, listen, I know sleeping in late was a thing for teenagers of all generations. It's a teenager thing, but also like how late are you really going to sleep in?
0: Look, my wife can sleep in until 11 every day. It's tremendously like it's a gift and I wish I could do it. But Then again, I mean, she gets off of work at like 11 o'clock at night. So,
1: okay. Well, that's fair.
0: A couple of things here. Uh, My favorite line in this section is Sydney laying back like on her bed and going, I haven't had breakfast or done my hair. I can't think until then.
1: Also, when she like flops back on that line, we get this shot from above that's like 20 feet above. How high are the ceilings in the Rutledge Mansion? It's insane.
0: Right? It's amazing.
1: <laughs> Sandy tells her that she's over at Owen's place and uh, that she really needs Sydney's help because she needs to to come up with a strong image for the music video. And Sydney says, wear nails and a bracelet. That always works. <laughs> Sandy comes back saying, no, I want to, I want to
0: essentially be like you, polished, aloof, cool.
1: And Sydney's like a little unnerved by this, but then Sandy excitedly says that she wants Sydney to give her pointers on how to be more like her and an energetic music sting, which we've never heard before, takes us to the booth porch where Garrett's dad is leafing through folders and stuffing them into his briefcase.
0: Now, I want to note that I also took a note on that musical stinger because it really was jarringly weird.
1: It's totally different from anything we've heard before musically on Swan's Crossing.
0: So Garrett goes running by his dad on the porch and his his dad stops him. He's apparently Garrett is off to like either play football or try out for football or whatever it is. I think it's play.
1: Yeah, I think he's. He's got practice. I, the The vibe I got was that he's going to some sort of practice, like previous two tryouts. Because I think the tryouts would pretty much happen like after school starts, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how football works.
0: So he's, but Grant stops him. He's not going to go play football. And Garrett protests that he's the quarterback. And And I was like, you're the quarterback and the pitcher? I hate this kid. I just absolutely hate him. <laughs>
1: I know, I know. Garrett's like the super jock. It's weird. Um, also, like, aren't quarterbacks usually stockier? Garrett's a fairly slender youth. I would,
0: I would say that on a football team, the, the kicker and the quarterbacks tend to be the slimmest.
1: Okay, okay. See, like, like I already said, don't know anything about football, so... <laughs> no. uh, Grant says he'd be better off kicking a soccer ball because they have soccer in France. No, they don't. They have football and they get mad if you call it soccer. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> the other football. He's
0: about a lot of stuff, so.
1: <laughs> Garrett is outraged, but his dad says they can afford to send him back to boarding school, and he leaves in two weeks. And Garrett sighs.
0: There's this doom stinger, and we cut to Callie coming into the tool and die, frantically searching and calling for Jimmy, who, if you'll recall, left the phone call abruptly at the end of last episode.
1: And didn't just leave it he gently laid the phone at the end of its cord instead of hanging it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so funny! She uh, she finds the phone still hanging by the cord, and we uh, we have a quick flashback to Jimmy's disappearance, and then quickly cut to the theme song.
1: Yes. We come back to uh, some portion of the streets of Swans Crossing. JT and Neil are gloating over how they're about to make scientific history as they lean on the big blue mailbox and narrating their future as two of the most famous scientists in the world.
0: I love that two of the future most famous scientists in the world are still in their carnival barker uniforms from the night before.
1: Right, which they slept in in a hammock and on the floor.
0: (laughs) The big climax of this conversation is they get really excited about possibly being the answer to questions on tests.
1: Which is pretty great, I love it. They uh, pull out the huge wad of cash and give us a brief... Uh, exposition to catch us up on how they got that money from Saja on Friday, and uh, they checked the letter they were about to send off to the Rodavian Office of Environmental Affairs. The letter says that they're requesting them to mine one millimeter of Rodavian nitro dust, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> You'd think that, like, a mining operation, even for one millimeter of some sort of substance- would cost more money than a 14-year-old girl would carry around in her purse. Like, even a very wealthy 14-year-old girl. Like, this is just... How much money did they get?
0: How impoverished are the Rodavians, I really think, is the question.
1: I guess really what we need to know here is, what is the exchange rate between U.S. dollars and Rodavian currency?
0: That's a great question. Anyway, they've signed the letter Professor Van. They pop the money order that they picked up at the bank into the letter, slam it into the mailbox. There's this celebration, because they're finally getting it, the missing element and Sydney's going to get hers. And the conversation at this point changes to Sydney's birth records, which is the task that got them paid and it has enabled them to send off this letter.
1: Yeah. And they sort of muse about like, like why, why does Saja want Sydney's birth records anyway? But JT says, if it's be- if it's Sydney behind this mystery, then it's going to be incomprehensible anyway. But he thinks it must have something to do with. And again, the camera cuts to the booth porch again where Mr. Booth sternly yells, Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, the writers really loved a novelty cut in this episode, didn't they?
0: They really did. They really well, I the the idea that we are still in suspense about whether Sydney is I mean, I guess it's been at this point what? I mean, almost we're on the ninth week of this show. So or is it is that right? No.
1: Something like that. It, Tenth week?
0: Something. Anyway. I feel like it's entirely possible that the audience for this show may have forgotten that Garrett forged the birth certificate originally.
1: Possibly, yes. Anyway, uh, Mr. Booth, Mr. Booth and Garrett For arguing over whether Garrett will in fact go back to France for boarding school. Grant Booth is very insistent, and you get the feeling that he knows his son is a psychopath, and perhaps he understands that his family, and indeed all of Swan's Crossing, will be safer if Garrett is on another continent.
0: Yes, Garrett picks up that Grant is wanting him out of his hair, and Grant picks up that there is a girl involved for Garrett.
1: Yes, I mean, yeah, (laughs) for sure. Uh, Grant kind of zeroes in on this pretty quickly, and he pats Garrett on the back, tells him that if he doesn't have a girl around that he's chasing after, he'll do better in his studies, and then he spins off to whatever he was doing that morning, and as Garrett wallows in helpless misery, Glory comes out onto the porch.
0: Oh, I do want to point out that Grant walks off the porch without the briefcase that he was just leafing through. He just walks off
1: i missed that
0: yeah there's there is definitely no briefcase in his hand
1: oh so good
0: glory comes in and garrett goes off about being sent away and then he sees something off camera and says and you i'm gonna kill you and he comes over grabs the camera and starts shaking it looking directly into it like he wants to kill us the audience
1: He violently assaults the viewer.
0: It was very disturbing, if I'm being honest. (laughs)
1: It was. It's. Garrett is uh, a powder keg just waiting to blow. Clearly, like, he is a violent, crazy boy. And he attacks the viewers, shaking them violently to and fro. It is a weird, weird moment.
0: Yeah, so we don't even know who's behind the camera at that point. So we cut over to Sydney and Sandy. Sandy is dressed quite a bit like Sydney, and Sydney is saying there's still some room for improvement, but it's not hopeless. And then she starts giving instruction on diction, posture, and grace. I th- I love that her th- her first thing is lesson one. If you're going to be like me, you can't droop. <laughs>
1: It's great. Sydney is, like, genuinely trying to be helpful with with uh, helping Sandy transform her character, which I think is part of, you know, Sydney's attempt to turn over a new leaf and not be such a pain in the ass to everyone. And the girls really do have, like, a lot of fun with the scene. It's really fun to watch. It's very cute. They're, they have great chemistry together as friends. And uh, Sandy good-naturedly says that part of being Sydney is that she was lucky enough to be born Sydney. And Sydney launches into a series of flashbacks.
0: We get the flashback to Garrett showing Sydney the doctored birth certificate with Sandy's swan birthmark on the foot. And then we get the wizard moment where wizard Garrett.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
0: Transmogrifies Sydney into Sandy. And then the locket scene where Sandy says Sydney's grandma doesn't look anything like her. And then her breakdown in the sub with Callie. And then the proclamation from the sub hatch that she is Sydney, Sydney Rutledge. <laughs>
1: this is so good. And finally, Sydney returns to the present, satisfied that she is herself and Sandy is her own self. And Sydney manages to maintain her good mood. And she encourages Sandy to take a better attitude about life.
0: There really is a beautifully playful friendship in this scene that I really love. And then all of a sudden, as they're having this conversation, Mila comes in again from nowhere because there's no doors on the set for Owen's studio. And they're talking about finding a new image for Sandy. And Sandy explains that it's for her music video that she and Owen are working on. And Mila drops it that Owen said he'd do the music video with her.
1: The look on Mila's face, it's just, like, astounded betrayal. It's so good. She's like, holy shit, what?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> Sydney, standing between them, chimes in, looks like someone's going to be left out in the cold. <laughs> and we get, this, we get these great reaction shots from both Mila and Sandy, and then we cut to Callie on the phone.
1: Callie uh, is trying to track down Jimmy. She's talking to his dad, apparently, who says that he hasn't seen him since that morning. But just then, we hear the mini bike, and then Jimmy appears in the tool and die. They start to bicker over who was where and where they should have been. Callie says, shut up and tell me where you've been. But all we get is doom music over Jimmy... All we get is doom music over Jimmy's suspicious mug as we fade to commercial.
0: We come back, and Jimmy's explaining that he followed Barrick on his bike to the airport. And Callie says... If I were following him, I would have bought a plane ticket and gone with him. Now, this is obviously (laughs) 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 pre-9-11. But even so, I don't believe ever as a teenager I felt empowered to just drive to the airport and buy a plane ticket.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe this is a rich people thing.
0: Maybe it is.
1: (laughs) Jimmy says, Barrett got onto a private plane, a twin-engine jobby and he doesn't know where Beric was headed. No one else was on the plane. It was just Beric who flew it himself because of course he did.
0: We cut over to Glory, who is bringing some food to Garrett on the porch, and apparently it was Owen in the bushes filming the whole confrontation between Garrett and Grant. Oh, yeah. And it was literally, like, I was given the way that the first scene was shot where Garrett grabs the camera and starts shaking it, I was wondering... Is Owen in this episode? <laughs> like, he is, but they could've they shot that whole scene without him.
1: <laughs> it is so funny to realize in that moment that he was attacking Owen and that Owen was just lurking in the bushes outside his friend's house, filming a conversation between his friend and his dad. Like
0: That's- so creepy. I mean, it's as creepy as Owen climbing into JT's room through the window.
1: Owen is really getting super, super creepy as we approach the end of this season. Also, need to take a moment to acknowledge what is on that tray of food that Glory brought out of the house. It is a tall glass of orange juice, a mug of milk, and a giant salad bowl full of chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Nice. You know how you dump cookies into a big bowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Garrett swears he is not going to France, and he's going to make their dad see that it's more worthwhile to let him stay here than to send him away.
0: And he's gonna do that by throwing a wrench into Muffy's campaign. Then JT shows up looking super flirty with Glory. Like <laughs> it is they are those two are really getting their flirt on in this scene.
1: Oh yeah. JT and Garrett spar for a while over football and their respective neophyte masculinities. And JT says he won't be going out for football this year anyway because he's going to be too busy with science and writing poetry for glory.
0: And Garrett doesn't seem to mind the poetry as long as it keeps him off the field. JT keeps dropping hints about his important project as he and Glory gaze at each other. And then Garrett mocks their sappiness and JT says he'll just never understand, which seems to piss Garrett off because he storms off and we get a couple more flirty looks between JT and Glory before we cut. Like there really is this like, I guess we're just gonna stand here and look flirty and not say anything.
1: I know it's pretty funny, but they do grin at each other real big. Like you think, you know, maybe once the camera goes away, they're gonna cop a feel or something.
0: Absolutely, they are.
1: We cut to Owen's garage. Sydney is about to take off since she doesn't want them to be in the middle of a cat fight.
0: Is it a garage? It's never established.
1: Owen's enclave. <laughs> is it-
0: Is it a basement? Is it a garage? I mean, a garage would make the most sense of anything that we have talked about, because if the garage door is open, people could come in from both sides of the camera.
1: That's true. I mean, maybe it is a garage. I just assumed it was, because it kind of feels like it's a little freestanding structure. I don't know why.
0: I thought it it was a basement.
1: Well, who knows what it is? I mean, it might be just like Owen's living room. Maybe that's (laughs) what his house looks like.
0: Yep. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to get. I I apologize to all of our readers for or listeners for all of this. No. I'm just obsessed with Owen's studio space and the set design.
1: Never ever apologize. Uh, What the hell is going on with Owen is one of the major mysteries of Swan's Crossing. Mila and Sandy are left alone to face each other. Sandy lays into Mila and eventually gets to the main point, which is that Mila sucks at singing. And that is true.
0: Yep. And then the camera goes all wonky and we hear Owen, you're on OTV, Owen television, get it? And they turn and glare at him as he goes back behind the camera with the admonition to forget I'm here.
1: Oh, it's so funny. They start chewing him out, like yelling at him, which he absolutely deserves. And then he tries to direct them. He's like, oh, stand over here, stand over there. They start picking up notebooks and papers and just hurling them at Owen. It's great. He deserves it.
0: And, and they finally manhandle him and push him off camera. Both of these young ladies are bigger than Owen. Like, they're both taller.
1: <laughs> it's great.
0: And as as they push him out of the studio, you could just barely hear him going,
1: but it's my studio. <laughs> Take that, Owen. We cut to the tool and die, where Callie has just spoken with the control tower at the airport, confirming that a small plane is recently taking off, but it didn't file a flight plan.
0: I love that you can just call the flight tower in Swan's Crossing.
1: (laughs) I know, just, hey, can you give me information about flight plans? Sure. Teenager I've never spoken to before.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely tell you all about the personal (laughs) the personal flight plans of these people who own their own planes.
1: At first, they're discouraged, but then Callie hits on the idea to stop thinking about where Beric is headed and start thinking about where he's been.
0: And since Sajo said Beric was at the Walker Estate, they decide to go there, but Callie cringes when Jimmy suggests they go now, at night, in the dark.
1: And then he gives her a weirdly horny smile.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and we cut to the front of the soda shop where Grant's campaign poster is still pasted under the Swan's Cafe sign. Sydney exits the cafe and we can clearly see the door sort of bounce because it's a flat. <laughs> and this is the first time I have noticed this.
1: Uh, and you've been watching for it, haven't you?
0: I have been watching for it. You, were, you remember that show we did where we'd shut the doors and the whole wall would like vibrate a little bit, oh, you know, yeah. cause there was a lot of door slamming in that particular <laughs> play. That's what I'm seeing here.
1: <laughs> oh, So funny. Sydney uh, comes up to Garrett, who's kind of tinkering on his bike. She tells him he's a liar and demands the birth certificate from him and points out that he's got Mila and the poems, so what does he still need the birth certificate for?
0: Garrett explains, for some unfathomable reason, (laughs) that the birth certificate is his ticket to staying in Swan's Crossing instead of going to France in two weeks. (laughs) And when Sydney hears about France, she wants to throw him a going-away party. (laughs) Like, she gets super gloaty.
1: It's great. This part goes on for longer than it needs to, though, because Sydney seems to not understand for the longest time what he's implying with all this stuff about how it's his ticket to staying in and his dad winning the race and yada yada. It's like, Sydney's smarter than this. She should pick up on this instantly. Come on, writers.
0: Yep. And essentially, he finally just spells it out for her that he will... Uh, Use the birth certificate to raise the question of Sydney's birth, throwing Muffy's campaign into chaos. And as Sydney lets that sink in, we cut over to the mailbox where JT and Neil are congratulating themselves on how well things are going by congratulating each other and calling each other Professor Van.
1: <laughs> Just right out in the open. You know, after one of you has been roofied, one of you has had your girlfriend abducted by snake men. And uh, also the other one of you has been in a near fatal explosion over this Professor Van thing. The best thing you can possibly do is just talk about how you are Professor Van right out in the open.
0: Right out in the open over, I need to point this out, an incredibly bright blue mailbox. (laughs) This mailbox is so blue that it makes everything else (laughs) in the shot feel sepia tone and contrast.
1: (laughs) I mean. It's aggressively blue.
0: It is aggressively blue.
1: The camera pulls back a little bit to reveal that someone is watching from the bushes while these boys talk about how they're Professor Van. You don't know, though, whether it's a Baldy or Owen, because we've already gotten a lot of Owen in the bushes stuff lately, so it could be either one.
0: And then we see Captain Baldy's face turn and he goes, Professor Van is two screwball kids? And then the camera pulls back a little bit more, and we see Owen behind the Baldy filming. What? What?
1: He's watching the whole thing!
0: Freeze frame. Roll credits. What is
1: happening? I know. I know. I know I know what the title for this episode has to be. Crouching Baldy Hidden Owen. <laughs>
0: End of the podcast, Libby. This is it. This is our final episode. (laughs) I'm calling it here. It's never going to get better.
1: God, I laughed so hard. I exacerbated my asthma. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, Psychopath of the Week is Garrett. Yes. I mean, there's no contest.
0: I do think Owen, with his uh, voyeuristic filmmaking... Probably a close runner up for Psychopath of the Week, but definitely Garrett. Uh, So we had two new fake swans, two imaginary swans, because we got Lita on the bathrobes. That brings our running count to seven imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 150 other swans.
1: Oh my God. Yes. So many swans. All right. I'm going to mute my mic. Give me your predictions.
0: I think the Baldy chases Owen for filming and gets the tape and destroys it. Mila and Sandy stay mad at Owen and maybe even like form a pact about it. And that is the key to o- to Sandy and Mila finally becoming friends is that they both hate Owen now. Sydney tries to figure out how to stop Garrett's evil plan. Callie and, and maybe maybe finally gets the birth certificate record so Garrett discovers like and confronts Garrett about it maybe maybe that happens next episode I sort of feel like they're gonna wait to have that happen in the big like finale episode on Friday uh, Callie and Jimmy explore the Walker estate at night and find the snake pit I think they find the snake pit and I don't think we get a ton of JT, Neil and glory unless it's JT and Neil explaining to Sandy about the Sydney about the birth certificate. That's what I think.
1: Okay. It is sure to be an action packed week ahead as we ramp up to the close of swans crossing, the greatest TV show that has ever been made by the hand of man. Oh my <laughs> Stop gosh. rolling your eyes, Nathan. <laughs>
0: I will. I will never stop rolling my eyes. It's never going to happen. When I look back at my life, when I am old and decrepit and lying on my deathbed, and and my life flashes before my eyes in my final moments, when it gets to this point, my eyes are going to roll so hard. Just remembering having done this podcast and having watched all sixty-five episodes of Swans Crossing. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song "Got to Grow Up Sometime" from the hit show *Swan's Crossing*.
1: And if you want to find us on social media, probably best to just stick to Instagram because, as we record this, Twitter is imploding under the weight of Elon Musk. So we're on Instagram at *Swans Cross Pod*. Don't forget to send me in DM your questions for our very last retrospective retrospective episode.
0: Hey, Libby, this could be our final opportunity to get a blue check mark. <laughs> <laughs> Jack mark. Folks, until we can see one another again. Go buy yourself a blue check mark.
1: <laughs> Bye. Bye. Lesson number two, Sandy, who did your nails? The
0: Terminator?